sweet and powerful moment that we experienced as we prayed over the 40 years this morning. And that, that family in this story that we're a part of segues beautifully into what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks, which is God's love transforms our life in such a way that we become lovers ourselves. God's love so powerfully engages our life, so powerfully transforms our life that we become agents of love because of that. I was sitting there and I was thinking about their story, and I'm going to jump into their story for a minute, but God put a a passage of scripture on my heart that was not in my notes this morning. Can Can I give you like, you know, the... You know, when you read a book, there's like extra notes at the end if you want to read further. Can I give you the extra notes first? felt like that God just really dumped this into my heart right before I stood up. And I was like, Lord, do I go this way? And I, I, I really feel like God wants to emphasize this before I jump in. But look at Ephesians 3 with me. And this is a prayer that Paul prays over the church. But I want you to hear this prayer in light of of where we're heading this morning. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ Jesus will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Christ's love fully invading our lives in such a way that we experience and know God's love and experience it in such a way that His love has divine power and strength through us to impact people's lives. Now back to the 40 years. I was watching them, so just let me give you a synopsis of their life presently, and then I want to go back for a second, or go backwards and tell you their, their story. But a family that has their own biological children, given a heart and compassion from God to love children that are not their biological children, that are in a place of trial and tribulation, and not just loving the child, but loving mom and dad of that child, in saying it's worth it to us to sacrifice and to alter our life in a significant way to be a source of love for somebody who has no ability to pay us back. So absolute sacrificial love, and not only sacrificial love that I get to keep in the way that I want to nurture and keep it, meaning I get to keep this child 
But knowing when I go in that there's a good opportunity, if I or we have loved well, and remember, not just loving the child, but loving the family, loving the mother, loving the father, praying for them, interacting with them, letting them know how much they love them, telling their children, telling their own children, Sophia has a mom and a daddy, and we want Sophia to know her mom, her birth mom, her tummy mom, as Brendan was sharing this morning. And we are loving her and her mom in such a way that they would become united again. Knowing that the goal of their love is to not be able to have this child with them for the rest of their life, but to give this child away again. That's powerful. And that is, in a nutshell, the gospel. That's the gospel. That I, if I were Sophia, or I, the mom of Sophia, broken and um, in pain and unable to take care of my life, not able to rescue my life from the dilemma that I have found myself in. Receiving love from outside my life, undeserved. Rescue. Because someone other than me thinks that I am worth it to be loved. And with no hope or power in my own existence to be able to pull myself up out of this life that I have been given or have chosen, someone comes and rescues. Brendan put it in the terms that are biblical, adopted me and called me their own, his own. So that I cannot just be loved and delivered and set free, but so that I could be empowered to walk in freedom and to live a life fully undeserved, full of grace, full of mercy full of deliverance, full of freedom, full of hope, full of ah, all of it. Because God is love. We love because Christ first loved us. God first loved us. As we think about the passage of Scriptures that we're going to look at this morning, I want you to think about them through the, the lens or the, or the grid of this human story that you saw this morning um, communicated to you through the life of Sophia and Keith and Tanya and their children and this mom who has found Jesus and is having her life restored and brought back, mercifully brought back together again because of God's love. We're going to journey the next few weeks as we talk about this theme, this very simple theme that is so profound. We're going to look at this theme through the life of the disciple John. We're going to look at his writings both in the Gospel of John and 1 John. You see, John is known as a writer uh, in in the Bible, as as one who who understood, who got, who, who experienced, who... Um, had revelation of the fullness of God's love. I want to I learn from people who love, don't you? 
I, I want to get around Keith and Tanya more because they love, I want, to, I want to learn from them. I want to learn from people who have experienced or encountered God in such a way that their lives emanate, radiate love. Well, John is one of those people. As you read the story of John, the story of his journey with Jesus and the Gospel of John, and as it's accented by his letters in 1 John, you recognize that this man has been transformed by a friendship with God. So much so that in his own book, as he's telling the story during the last days of Jesus' life, he talks about this man who reclines on the breast or the chest of Jesus. And he's talk, and he says, this is the one Jesus loved. And he's talking about himself. And we go, what a prideful man. The one that Jesus loved. Oh, and you wrote it yourself. Way to go, John. I think we misread it. I think we misread it when we go there. Because I think what John is saying, I was unlovely. I was broken. I was a fisherman. And you put your adjectives on what fishermen are like. I was a fisherman in need of God's grace and Jesus walked beside my boat and He looked at me and He said, John, I want you to follow me. And I followed Him. And guess what? This man loved me. I'm not saying it proud. In in pride, I believe John is saying. I believe he's saying it in humility and thankfulness. Jesus loved this man, one who was not lovable. Have you been there? John is saying, I've been loved. And so let me tell you what love looks like. So when we read the story of John, we pick up this love friendship from John with his friend Jesus, who is his Savior. And when we read his, his writings, we go, we get, we, we can see it a little bit more clearly because John felt and knew and experienced the love of Jesus. John paints a picture of what that love looks like. We love because God first loved us. Is it possible that this simple, all consuming, attribute of God, love, can not only transform a life, but this kind of love can transform a society. This kind of love can transform the nations. That this kind of love is not just temporal, but it is eternal. And it is not just eternal as human beings. We, can, we tend to look this way. If, if this is forever before our lives, we say it's eternal. We get to be with God and experience this love forever this way. But this love is not just eternal this way. This love is eternal this way. From the very beginning of time, before, before this world was created, God is love. It has been going on for eternity and it will be going on for eternity. That's who Jesus is. We see it at the very beginning of the book of John. Look with me at John 1. When, when John, this, this author, begins to write <clears throat> about who Jesus is, he says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. 
The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So here is John declaring from his, in his own way the truth that this God of eternity, this everlasting God who created the world, who created the universe, is Jesus. Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus is, and He forever will be. And John is saying, this Word, this, this revelation, this, this life, this person that I've experienced is not just a human, but He is God. And He created with the purpose to bring light and read on. He came in, verse 10, to this very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people and even they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right, here's this theme, to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word, Jesus, became human and made His home among us. He was full, what was He full of? unfailing love and righteousness and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From His abundance, verse 18, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's what? Unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. At the end of this service, we are going to baptize some people. Somewhere. I don't know where the baptistry went. I, I, I think we're going to baptize some people. Um, we're going to have a baptismal service. And that service, um, that, that ceremony of baptism, is a declaration that the ones that I'm baptizing, these, these three or more, if, if others come forward to be baptized, are saying that I have met the living God. And I've put my trust in Him. And He, in turn saved me, adopted me, accepted me into His family. And I am, as John described it, born again, reborn to a new life. His unfailing love has pursued us. He is, he is God has designed and desired from the beginning of time when He made us in His image <clears throat> and created the world's the world and made us in His image, He created us for the purpose of fellowshipping with Him in His love that's been going on forever. Isn't that awesome? That's what we, When we say we, we get the opportunity to experience perfect love, it's been worked out for a little while. This love thing has been, been, been worked out for a long time in the Trinity. They've been experiencing self-sacrificing, honoring Whatever you would, all the different ways you would describe pure love, unconditional love. And God created us with the desire to participate with Him in His love. And so God sent His Son Jesus to show us what that looked like. Jesus is God's revelation of love. What does Jesus' love look like? So if we were to look through the, the lens of Jesus, Andrew Murray says this, God became man and divine love began to run the channel of the human heart. 
God became man and divine love began to run the channel of human heart. All of a sudden, we began to see and experience and know what true love looks like when we look and see and experience Jesus. So through the Word of God, as we read the Word of God, we don't have the the opportunity now to be ones who traveled with Jesus personally like John did, but as we read John's story, we get a picture of what Jesus looked like. What did He look like? Can we just take a moment and and think about this journey from His birth um, and and, and His life as we we look at His life right to the cross? What What did Jesus look like? He was a friend of sinners. He didn't shy away from those who were broken and sick and needy and rejected and scorned, but he drew close. He was a friend of those in need. It says, he said in one place, he was a doctor to the sick. He said those that found them in themselves a place of sickness. And I'm not just, he wasn't just speaking about physical sickness, although he was a friend of those who were physically sick. He healed people physically. But he also healed people spiritually. And he freed people from the sickness of sin and shame and brokenness. He didn't draw away, but he draw, he drew close to you and I. If we were living there, it would be you and I, right? We, we are like those He walked among because the stains and the marks of human are all alike. That we are yet sinners, but while we are sinners, Christ died for us. If we are not in touch with our own brokenness and need when we come to Jesus, He said we don't need Him. The well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And in His kingdom, acknowledging our need is the first place of experiencing His love. He was wise, and He shared His his wisdom with those who who, uh, needed revelation and understanding. He inverted the concept of power. He changed the power structures that were in place. And it's true for today, power looks like power no matter what generation you look at. That it's far greater in our minds for people to serve us and to bow before us and to give us stuff and do things for us. Because the world we all know revolves around me. Not you. Me. Not you. Me. Not you. Me. The world revolves around me. Not you. Right? No. And Jesus came and said, you know what? The way to experience life and the way to be free in life and the way to be liberated is to get out of yourself and begin to love others. So He came with a self-sacrificial and serving kind of authority. Brendan talked this morning as we were praying over the 40 years, he said there's an authority in love. What did he mean? Not an authority of like, I'm going to rule you, but love gets up underneath you and serves you. And that's where God's authority is. In doing so, He befriended us. He lived among us. He became an intercessor for us. He placed Himself in the middle of us. He made His tent. He pitched His tent among us, as John said in John 1. 
And he was here to reconcile us. And the, the next few weeks, we're going to look at these, these themes, how Jesus became an intercessor for us. The reason that people can pray for one another powerfully, how is it that we can intercede and pray? What, where, what is the root of our prayer or intercession? The root of our prayer and intercession is love that's born out of friendship and care for others. So that when we are a friend with others, when we fellowship with others, when we carry the burdens of others in our lives, all of a sudden it's a natural expression for us to intercede and pray for others. And say, God, I really, really love Tabby. And I'm walking with Tabby and I know her life and I know her trials and her struggles and I know what's awesome about her and I know some things are not quite awesome about her, but I love her. And God, I ask, Father, that all that you have and all that you are, God, would come and interact with Tabby because I want her to be the best that she can be. And I want her to be free and I want her to be released in all that you have for her because I love her. And I become an intercessor, a prayer warrior for her so that when we look at Jesus, and we'll look at this in coming in, in, next week actually, when we see Him in the garden, and He's just, he's just communicated to His disciples that he's, he's got a rough path ahead of Him. He's going to die. And He goes into the garden and it says, and He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if You're willing... Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. He became so one with you and I in love. That he not only prayed with fervency, but he became the answer to his prayers. This is love. That he would carry our burdens. He would be our friend. He would fellowship with us. He would be our intercessor. But he would become the intercessor. The one who stands in the place for you and I. He loves us because he's not only interceding, but he's also suffering and serving I already talked about this inversion of power, but on the night of, 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 of the Last Supper and the night that he, he enters into trial and ultimately is led to the cross, as he's sitting with his disciples, the one powerful act that he does to communicate his authority is by washing their feet. The king of the universe, the great wise teacher, the healer, of, of, of men's sicknesses, the forgiver of people's sins, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who is, holds authority above all authority, he's looking at those he's walked with and carried their burdens and has been friends with and has demonstrated his life to, and he says, one last act so that you get it. I have not come to rule over you and to crush you and to demand from you that you do everything right so that you can please me. I have not come as that authority. I have not come so that you can pay homage and honor and money and tribute to me so that I can be some great God among the gods. He already knew who he was. He could have said that. He could have demanded that and it would have been just. 
because of who he is. But he said, I don't do that because that's not who I am and that's not who I've created you to be. Let me show you what God is really like. Take off your dirty sandals and let me get on my knees and let me wash your feet. I'm willing, God says, to become like a servant before you so that you can become great. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as you are sitting here that if God manifests himself in your presence and he saw you and he, saw, he thought, you know what? My, my sweet Liam does not know how much I love him. Would you believe that he would walk up to Liam or to you and bend down and look up at you as the living God and take off your shoes and wash your feet. We love because we've first been loved. He was a bringer of he was, he was one who demonstrated sacrificial humility and service all the way to the point of the cross. He showed his permanent and effectual love at the cross. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how he revealed it to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God. Not that we did something to please Him. Not because we, we waved our hand enough and did enough good things for God to go, oh, there's Sean. Oh, yeah, I like him. I choose him. We didn't do enough. We can't do enough for Him to love us, John says. But that He loved us and sent His Son, what? As an atoning sacrifice for our sins. His ultimate display of love was by dying for us. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Not for good, deserving, righteous, holy people. And by the way, you're not one of those without Jesus. In Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. But before Christ, Before Christ, all of our good deeds, the scriptures say, were like filthy rags. They're marred and stained by personal ambition and selfish, selfish desires. There's not anything good in us apart from Christ. But He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So my question to you this morning is, what's keeping you from his love? If you've never experienced his love, what's keeping you from it? The father's looking down, and he is looking at you as a son or a daughter that he loves and desires and wants to adopt into his family. Jesus is looking into your life, and he's saying, I've demonstrated to you as, 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 only I, as much as I can what the extent of my love is for you. I've extended grace and offered to you and said, um, if you will open the door of your heart, I will come in and I will dine with you. 
What's keeping us? What's keeping you from receiving the love of God? Jesus was a bringer of hope and healing. We see it all the way through His ministry, but we see it most gloriously at the resurrection on Easter. We're going to celebrate this. That He not only demonstrated His love by living in a life of selfless love on earth and in, in going all the way to the grave for us, but He demonstrates His love for us by conquering sin and death and bringing hope into our lives. It would be an amazing thing if this great teacher lived this life and demonstrated for us all the things that Jesus did and we could read about them and tell our kids stories about Him for eons and eons. That would be unbelievably amazing. What a great religious leader. But Jesus loved us and God loved us by destroying death. By removing the power of death out of our lives forever. forever. Paul describes it in this way when he says... Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glorious hope. Glorious uh, joy. Resurrection celebration. Jesus pours out into our lives through His Defeat of death when he rose from the dead. Lastly, we will, or after his resurrection, he shows a, a few more characteristics or aspects of his love. The very last chapter of John, we'll look at this, this demonstration of love where he engages Peter one last time. Peter, you remember, is the one who disowned Jesus. You know, brash Peter. I kind of find myself, whenever I read Peter, going, he's, he's way too close to home for me. I can identify way too much with Peter. Big words, little actions. Oh, yeah, Jesus. All these homeboys are going to desert you, but not me. I'm right there till the end. Saying it for everybody to hear. And what happens? He, he finds himself in bitter defeat in his own soul. He disowns the very one he loves. The very one who loved him. What was it like when he caught that glancing look from Jesus as Jesus was being led away and he realized that he had fulfilled the very words that he said he wouldn't do. He had disowned Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? What does this loving God do who was disowned? And, 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 and disowned by his, his, one of his closest followers, he makes it a point before he goes into heaven to have a conversation just with Peter. And he pulls Peter into this conversation and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Why three? Because he wanted Peter to remember that for every time he disowned him, he was forgiven. And that he really was a lover of Jesus. Peter, you're not marked by your sin. You're marked by my love. And my love forgives and forgives and forgives 
and forgives. And I think he probably said, he probably whispered in his ear, you know what, things are going to get rough. You might make a few more mistakes before it's all done. And when you do, just remember, I love you. And I love you so much, Peter. And I want you to know how much I trust you, Peter, the one who has disowned me, the one who jumped out of the boat and said you're going to walk on water and was sinking until I rescued you, the one who is so brash and arrogant that you asked, where are you going to sit beside me on my throne? You know, you, Peter, I want you to be the one who takes my commission to shepherd the church. I want you to pastor. <laughs> that was my calling. Sean? Me? Yeah, you, Sean. Yeah, you, Peter. Yeah, you, Aaron. Yeah, you, Linda. I want you to shepherd my people. I want you to love one another. I want you to take what you've received from me and give it away. So much so that one of the last things we'll do, and we'll do this as the CFTS school comes April 30th, and we celebrate what's going on. I see CFTS. That name's changed, too. Antioch Discipleship School, ADS, when they come. But we're going to talk about how Jesus empowers, not only forgives and gives us His grace to love and shepherd, but He empowers us to do great things. He's a liberator of us when He forgives us. To go forth and to make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that He would be with us until the very end of the age. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. That was another part of it. He's commissioned us to do these things and empower us. We love because he first loved us. Can the band come on up as we respond this morning? So where are you in your journey with Jesus? As I was praying this morning and thinking about this series that we're starting, my my deepest prayer was, God, um, I've been around a lot of people in the church, not, not saying this church, but in church in general in my life. I've been around a lot of people in church that at some point in their life they encountered the love of God. That they encountered at a camp or at a conference or in church or at a or at the dinner table in their home, or by their bed at night, or at work, or along the way, they've encountered the love of God. And many of those that I've encountered or fellowship with in that position have, at that moment when they encountered the love of God, they opened up their heart and they received Jesus as their Savior. And they can talk about it. <clears throat> but somewhere along the way, that love... That love encounter with God became less of an experience with God and it became more of a knowledge in our brain that it happened some time ago. We don't deny it. You know, if we go back in our journals or if we go back in the journals of our mind, we can remember, oh yeah, I was sitting there with Bob and we were talking and yeah, I think I did have an experience. I think I remember it being powerful. But we can't connect with it like we could. And our relationship with Jesus in the church, in the Bible, and God became academic. It became ritual. It became the right thing to do without 
the love for the person who set us free, who loved us, and not just loved in past tense, but loves us in the present. So I want to challenge us, church, to evaluate our own journey with Jesus. If he was in this room this morning, which he is, by the way, but if you could see him, and he was wearing one of those really cool robes from back then. Maybe he's, maybe he's in a different set of clothes this morning. And he sat down beside you, and he looked at you. Would you recognize him? Would you know because the love and the, the, the presence of God was in your life? Remind us back, go, go back to Ephesians 3 that we looked at the very beginning. That would we experience his love in a fresh, dynamic way? And my other prayer, so I, I prayed a lot for you, church, for those who would say, I'm a believer in Jesus, that God would warm your heart and ignite your friendship with a Jesus who is so loving that if his love penetrates your life in such a way, you might do crazy radical things like the 40 years you're doing. And I use him as an example because that was the day, but I could pick out other ones of you. You might start living like Jesus would want to live if he could live through you. The other people that I was praying for this morning were those who <clears throat> have never experienced that love. And I thought, God, I, as a human being, cannot convince, I cannot write a good enough sermon to convince anybody to open up their heart to you. But I can open up my mouth and proclaim Jesus. And you, by your power, Jesus, in your spirit, can enter in and convict and reveal and enamor someone so much that they want you. So that's what I prayed for anybody that's in this room. I did my best to let you see Jesus, but Jesus is a lot better than me to let you see him. And my prayer is that even now as I'm speaking, that you're self-identifying yourself as maybe one of those people that's sitting here wondering, God, are you really what, like what this guy's talking about? My prayer for you is that you wouldn't be hesitant as you experience his love right now to receive scripture tells us that all we have to do is believe and trust God and receive him he comes in and he does his work so father would you minister to us this morning as we respond to your love in Jesus name so if you're needing a fresh warming of God's love in your life. It could be the miracle that Tabby was talking about as we were worshiping this morning. It could be that you have some shame and sin in your life and you don't, you haven't really believed that God could forgive you. You're realizing now that he does want to forgive and restore and cleanse. It could be that you're just apathetic and tired and you want to be renewed in his love and his power. If you find yourself in a place where you are wanting renewal, God's love. I'd invite you to come and kneel and pray in front, in, in, the, in the front. You don't have to, but sometimes stepping out is a decision point for us. And if you are in need of Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to be standing over here. I'd love to in, invite any of you that would want to come and talk to me. I'd love to hear your questions, hear your confession, and pray with you. Amen. Stand up with me.
Let's respond to the Lord as God gives us something.